I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning and join me in the book of Galatians once again. This morning we'll cover Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 through 14 as we continue on in our series. If you are new to North River Church, every single week, week in, week out, we walk through books of the Bible verse by verse and uh, that's our pattern here. So I want to encourage you. If uh, you don't have a Bible, to uh, grab one of the ones in the back of the seat around you, and you can take that as our gift to you. I want to encourage you to uh, spend some time in God's Word day in and day out, and uh, we're going to do that every single week as we gather. As we do that this morning, and as you get ready for Galatians chapter 3, how many of you as parents feel like you simply say the same thing over and over and over? You ever feel that way? I mean, how many times do you have to tell your kids not to punch each other, right? How many times do you have to say to them, no, you can't do that? How many times, let's be honest with each other, do your kids ask you a question and your response is, we'll see. And you have absolutely no intention of seeing, right? Now you think maybe that's just if you have younger kids, but... Some of you here this morning, you have older kids, and for you, you feel the same way. Whether it's a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a 34-year-old, you feel like I keep telling them the same thing over and over and over again. When are they finally going to listen? When is it going to sink into their hearts that they keep going in this direction? It's not going to turn out very well. You know, for us this morning, as we look at the book of Galatians, what we've seen over the last number of weeks walking through this important book is that Paul is going to say the same thing in different ways over and over and over again. Remember, Paul's argument here is that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. We're saved from our sins, we're brought into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, not on the basis of our works, not on the basis of us keeping the law, but it's totally on the basis of what Christ Jesus accomplished for us. And for Paul, what Paul knows is that these believers here, and us as well, need to be reminded of that truth constantly. Just like a child needs to be reminded of the truth, just like us as adults need to be reminded of the truth. For us as believers, we need the truth of God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to drill down deep in our hearts and our souls. We need to be reminded of what Christ has accomplished for us. And so for Paul this morning in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, he is once again going to lift the gospel of Jesus Christ before us. Going to remind us once again of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf with the express goal that it would change the way we live our lives. So let's read the text this morning. Take note of what Paul says, beginning in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in Galatians chapter 3. And it's this truth. The Christian life is a life of faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. Now let's define our terms this morning. When we talk about faith, what are we talking about? What do we mean by that term? Because I think if we're not careful, we as Christians will sometimes talk as if we have faith in faith. Let's be very clear, though, what Paul is saying here, what the message of the gospel is, that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in what Jesus Christ accomplished on our behalf. We're saved from our sins, not on the basis of what we've done, but on the basis of what Christ has done for us. So think about it this way. You came in this morning, and let me ask you a simple question. When you walk to the chair that you're now sitting in, in your mind, did you have a conversation with yourself saying, I wonder if this chair is going to hold me? You probably didn't. And you say, well, the reason I didn't is because I've been into this building before. I've sat in a chair like this before. I know that it's going to hold me up. But hear me in this. You had faith that the chair you're sitting in would hold you. That's the reason you sat down in it. Faith is only as good as the object of your faith. 
So when we talk about faith as a follower of Jesus, it's not faith in faith, it's faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. So when Paul is saying here that we are to live by faith, it's not faith in faith, it's faith in Jesus Christ. Well, this morning as we look at the text, I want you to keep that at the forefront of your mind, that the Christian life is a life of faith. And what Paul's going to do over the next 14 verses is distinguish faith in Jesus Christ from several other things. Paul's going to say, it's faith in Jesus, not works. It's faith in Jesus, not birth or genealogy. It's faith in Jesus, not the law that renders you justified in God's eyes. It is totally on the basis of your faith in Jesus Christ that you can be saved from your sins and brought into the family of God. Paul is hinting at this throughout the book of Galatians because there's a problem with these believers. They have responded by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've been saved from their sins, but some have entered into these churches and have preached a different gospel. Some have entered in and said, it's not just enough to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You need that plus something. For them at this point in time, it was that plus circumcision. If you don't carry out this act, you can't be saved. You can't be a part of the family of God. So I want you to notice what Paul says in verses 1 through 6, that it is faith in Jesus Christ, not works for us as believers. Verse 1 of chapter 3, O foolish Galatians. It's a great way to win friends, right? O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He's not saying there that someone's cast a spell on them, but what he is saying is that they have been tricked by a false gospel. That some have entered into the church and had begun preaching a false gospel that you needed Jesus plus something else to be saved from your sin. And he says to them, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul's heart for these believers is so stirred in this moment as he's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And he says to them, do you remember the gospel message I preached to you? Paul says it was clear, it was plain. It was as if you were sitting at the very foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. It was so clear, and you responded by faith in what Christ had done for you. But now, they've turned from that. And he says in verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you receive the Spirit by works, or did you receive it by faith? Well, we clearly know the answer to that. It's a rhetorical question. Paul doesn't want them to respond. Same time, parents, sometimes your kids don't need to respond, right? You're asking the question because you already know they know the answer. Paul knows that they know the answer. The answer is, of course, it was by faith. But for some reason, they've turned from that. They've allowed false teachers to come in and say, it's not just faith, it's actually works too. You need both. 
I grew up in South Georgia, God's country, right? Grew up in South Georgia, and I loved to go to the fair. I didn't love the rides. I loved the games. You know what I'm talking about, right? You walk in, and they're down every single aisle. There's someone who is chanting at you, yelling at you, saying, I bet you can't win. I'm a competitive person. There was not a game that I passed by that I didn't think I could win. It didn't matter if you were throwing darts at the balloon. It didn't matter if you were shooting basketballs into a hoop that was smaller than the actual basketball. It didn't matter if it was the weighted sledgehammer that you were supposed to hit and send the lights up and it was supposed to ring the bell. It didn't matter. I knew, I knew I could beat that game. It was only $5 for three tries. Here's my $5, let's go. And at every point, I didn't win. And here's the thing. They know you're not supposed to win. And they take your money anyway. How rude, right? And so $5 goes down. Three tries, don't win. Another $5 goes down. $5, $5, $5. And $25 in, I'm looking going, I, I can't win. And then I look at the animals that you're supposed to win, and I go, I saw that at the Dollar Tree. (laughs) But they knew that. They knew that you couldn't win. Now hear me in this. What Paul is saying for us as believers, what he's saying for you if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, is that for us to think that we can earn God's favor by our works is the same mentality that I had when I went into the fair. Just give me another chance. Just give me three more tries, and I know I'm going to win. And Paul says to the believers here, and he says to us, you're never going to win. There's no way on the basis of your works that you will ever earn the favor of God. You and I can't do enough good things, can't do enough righteous things for God to look at us in our sin and say, you know what, you're really better than I thought you were. Now the reality is our sin separates us from God and we can't by our works fix that problem. Paul here is reminding these believers that by works they will never earn God's favor. And so he says to them, you've heard the gospel message. You've heard who Jesus Christ is. You've heard that he came to this earth for the express reason of going to the cross for you and for me, paying the debt that we owed because we couldn't pay it ourselves. He died there absorbing the wrath of God against sin. And he was buried and he rose again on the third day. He says, Galatians, you've heard that. You've heard the beauty of that. And yet now are you going to turn your back on that? Now are you going to turn from the true gospel and you're going to try by your works to earn God's favor? He says in verse 3, Are you so foolish? 
I don't know about you, but as a believer at times, I find myself thinking about that very question. Because if we're not careful, we will trend towards legalism. We will trend towards thinking that God's approval of us is on the basis of our works. Now, I want you to know that works are important. In fact, James says that it's by our works we demonstrate that we are a follower of Jesus, that Jesus Christ has transformed our lives. But our works are not meant to earn the favor of God. You say, why? Because we've already received the favor of God, not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So for Paul, as he's writing to this group of believers, he says, having begun by the Spirit, At the moment we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God indwells our lives as believers and enables us to live out the Christian life, to produce fruit that is in bearing with repentance, to produce what it looks like to follow Jesus, not in our strength, but in His strength that is at work within us. And he says here, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He says, so here, let, let, let's follow this out to these believers here. If you're, if you're going to turn, if you're going to turn from the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're going to say works are added to that, he says, so did you earn the Holy Spirit into your life as a result of your works? And of course, it's a rhetorical question once again. Of course not. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells the life of a believer at the moment of salvation. So for him, he says here, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So believer, the question for you and for me is, is it on the basis of our works that we earn God's favor or is it on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished We have the favor of God because His Son has His favor. So Paul, for this group of believers here, is trying to shake them, trying to help them understand, trying to dig deep in their hearts and expose the problem that lies there. The problem is they think that by works they'll earn the favor of God. Not just before salvation, but on the back end of salvation. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel like as a follower of Jesus that you are absolutely exhausted? That you feel like that God has this checklist in heaven that as soon as your feet hit the floor every single morning, that God is looking at you going, all right, let's see how you measure up, big boy, big girl. He's got his pen and he's ready. Oh, read your Bible, check. Yelled at your kids, X. And we live our lives on the basis thinking that our standing before God is on the basis of our works. And so we get to the end of the day and we try to measure in our minds, okay, did I do enough good today? 
I mean, I mean, what's, yeah, we just live in this constant limbo of wondering, does God approve of us or does he not? I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear Paul this morning. I want you to hear through the spirit of God who inspired this word this morning that you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, have the favor of God, have God's love on you, not because of your works, but because of Jesus Christ's finished work. God loves you not on the basis of what you've done, but on the basis of what his son has done for you. I don't know about you, but it's one of the most encouraging things that we can hear as believers. That our standing before God is on the basis of Christ's perfect righteousness, of His work on our behalf. It doesn't mean that we don't have good works in our lives. It doesn't mean that we don't seek to walk in relationship to the Lord. It means that our standing before God is not on the basis of any of that. It simply demonstrates who we are in Christ. You may have come in this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. You've never trusted him as your savior. And in your mind, you've adopted this works mentality that the only way God's going to love you is if you clean up your act before you come to him. And I just want you to know you are playing in the fair game that Satan is running. And he's like, keep trying, keep going. You're eventually going to win. You'll get there. Don't worry. Keep trying. I want you to hear this morning the Lord saying to you, Stop. Stop trying. You're never going to measure up. You're never going to reach that standard. And the good news is you don't have to. Because Jesus did it for you. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. Receive Him as your Savior. Paul continues on. Not only is it faith in Jesus and not works, but it's faith in Jesus and not birth or genealogy. At the end of verse 6, Paul says, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It says in verse 7, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. If you read through the gospels, what you see is Jesus interacting with the religious leaders of the day who had this idea that God's favor was primarily based on ethnicity. If you were a Jew, you were a child of God. If you were not a Jew, you had a bunch of hurdles you had to jump through to try and be a part of the family of God. But I want you to notice in verse 7, Paul says, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Notice verse 8 in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's everybody outside of Jews, by faith. That he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. 
Let's think about that for a second, that the religious leaders of Jesus' day were locked in on the fact that if you were not a Jew or you didn't subscribe to the Old Testament law, that you couldn't be forgiven of your sins and brought into the family of God. It was primarily by ethnicity. But here, Paul shatters that argument. In fact, he says the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached to Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis. So think about this. Here's a question for you. On what basis were the Old Testament saints forgiven of their sins and brought into the family of God? Was it on the basis of their birth that they were children of God because they were Jews? Not according to Paul. Was it on the basis of their good works? Not according to Paul. What was it on the basis of? It was on the basis of their faith. So he says here, the gospel was preached to Abraham before all of this transpired. So whereas for us as believers, we look back to Jesus coming to this earth and living a sinless life and going to the cross for our sins, paying the debt that we owed, they were looking forward to that day. So Old Testament saints are saved the same way we're saved, by faith in the Messiah who was to come for us by faith in Jesus Christ who has come. Paul says to these believers here, so then, those who are of faith, verse 9, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You want to take notes in your Bible, simply right beside verse 9 there, Hebrews chapter 11, where we see this unpacked in its full entirety, where we see the writer of Hebrews, let us know that it was by faith that Abraham was saved. Not on the basis of his works, not on the basis of circumcision, not on the basis of anything other than faith in the coming Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. Now, as we think about that, as believers, that reminds us of an important truth. There there is not a person on this planet who cannot be saved from their sin. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter their ethnicity. It doesn't matter where they grew up. It doesn't matter the number that's on their bank account. It does not matter. Why? Because it is by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved from our sin. It's why the book of Revelation reminds us that when we get to heaven, when we spend eternity with the Lord, we are going to see gathered around his throne people from every tribe and tongue and nation gathered there. Why can they gather? Not because of birth, but because of Christ. They can gather because of what Christ has done for them. What he's done for us. It means none of us should think that we are any better than any other believer. Too often for us in this country, we think we've got Jesus figured out. 
And yet when you read reports of believers in China, believers in Afghanistan, believers in other parts of this world, what you see is not a cultural Christianity for them. What you see is life and death following Jesus. May they challenge us where it's comfortable to be a believer in this country. You say, Pastor, you must not be watching the news. No, I'm watching the news. But we've not come close to what our brothers and sisters in Christ around this world are experiencing because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So praise God that we live in a nation where we can worship the Lord freely and where it may be difficult, let's praise the Lord that we have an opportunity to live out the truth of the gospel in our lives and stand for Christ. But may we as believers hit our knees for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are around this globe who are laying their lives down because they follow Jesus. Beginning in verse 10, Paul reminds us that it's faith in Jesus Christ, not the law. Notice verse 10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Paul says, okay, let's measure things on the basis of the law. And he says, according to the scriptures, if you don't keep every aspect of the law perfectly, then you're guilty of all of it. He says, do we want to go there? Is that what you want? your justification before God to be based on? It says in verse 11, Now it is evident that no one is justified by God before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. The law, he says in verse 12, is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So if you are dependent on the law to justify you before God, problem. You can't keep it perfectly. So, okay, what's the answer then? Notice verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. So Jesus Christ took our place. He took our place on the cross and paid for the debt of sin that we owed. What qualified him to be able to do that? How could he do that? If we can't do it, if we can't keep the law perfectly... The gospel tells us that he did. In fact, Jesus said of himself, he came to fulfill the law. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, listen to this, the blessing of Abraham 
the hope that God had given to Abraham, that a Messiah was coming that would save his people from their sin. The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Faith in faith? Of course not. Faith in Jesus Christ. The only one who could keep the law perfectly and pay the debt of sin that you and I owe. I want to ask you if you bow your heads with me this morning and close your eyes and our worship team will make their way back up. And as they do that this morning, you may have come in and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You've never been forgiven of your sins, been brought into the family of God. Enjoy what it means to live as one of His children. I want you to know this morning that there is nothing that you can do. There's not enough good works. You can't keep the law perfectly. It's not on the basis of the family you were born into. There's nothing. that can save you from your sin. There is one person who can, and his name's Jesus. And this morning you have an opportunity to place your faith and trust in him for salvation. His finished work on the cross, his resurrection, securing salvation for you. Maybe for you today, that's the step that you need to take. I'd encourage you, whether it's by filling out a connection card or coming and speaking to one of the pastors down front during this invitation, that you respond to the gospel this morning. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus here, but the word struck you this morning because you've been living under exhaustion right now trying to measure up in God's eyes it's not sank deep in your heart that your standing before God is based on what Christ did for you and you're running and you're wondering does it ever stop and the truth is Jesus told us to come to him all who are weary and heavy laden and he would give us rest believer will you rest today in what Christ has accomplished for you will you rest today knowing that the Holy Spirit of God is at work in your life right now making you more like Jesus would you allow him to do his work in you so that the fruit in your life gives evidence of what Christ has done in you Father we thank you for your word 
We thank you for the opportunity we've had to study it together today. And God, my prayer is whether someone is far from you and needs to trust Jesus as their Savior this morning by faith, or whether there's a believer who's striving, trying to earn your favor, would you give them rest today? Let the truth of your word sink deep in our heart. Let it transform the way we live. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we sing this morning? You need to spend some time in prayer. Our altar's open. If you need to speak with a pastor, we'd love to speak with you, pray with you this morning. You come as the Lord leads.